When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to the latest Tech Sideline podcast, originating from Tech Sideline's high-tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Whether you're watching or listening, whether you're live with us or listening archived, we are so glad that you could join us today as we record on Monday, September the 2nd at 10 a.m., and get you set for week two of the Virginia Tech football season and recap week one against Boston College. We've got Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes producing on set, managing editor Chris Coleman, our founder and head honcho Will Stewart, and my name is Evan Hughes, proud podcast host. Gentlemen, week one is in the books. I know it's always a crazy week leading up to it for us here at Tech Sideline. A lot of great content And now we get to recap the first game of the year. Before we do that, though, I turn it over to Will. How are you doing? Doing good. Ask me what we did on the podcast set this week. What do we do on the podcast set this week? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I I rewired some of the stuff in the back so I can turn the lights on and off with one switch, but that's not exciting. Also, today's uh, archive on uh, YouTube should look a lot better. Um, I won't bore people with the details there, but we we got the recording set up like we want it. For those of you who've been complaining about the sides, I do have some black curtains on order to hang on the sides. And next order of business is multiple cameras, man. I cannot wait to get to different cameras and highlight the guys and switch back and forth and be a little bit more dynamic. So uh, we love it. But the whole point of doing all this was I wanted to, I wanted things to be more fun, right? I wanted to just kind of do some video, have some guys hanging out talking. And the football team is not cooperating with making things fun. <laughs> we'll still have some fun on the podcast today, though. I can assure you. Right. Do you have a new uh, lyric in your song bio for this week? Uh, no. Uh, I was thinking about that on the way in today, and I had a clever thought, and it's uh, it's left me. So. Well, the good news is we're not doing one but two podcasts a week, so we'll get right. to that on Wednesday when we preview the Old Dominion game. Chris Coleman, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm tired. I got about two hours of sleep on Saturday night. I, Why? I, I, Were you out? No, well, it was for a little while, but then I went home and couldn't sleep. I, I can't sleep during, like. You know, just give it another 10 years and that'll stop happening, man. No, <laughs> I, I see it's, it's gotten worse as I've gotten older. Uh, yeah. I, 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 as I've gotten older, I've become more a deep thinker. So I literally just sit around and think about tech football all the time. And obviously, since the start of last year, it's a lot of bad things to think about. So yeah. I can't sleep. And you, you go home and you have a wife and kids to to take your focus off your job and i don't I wear myself out right? just paying bills every day <laughs> yeah. man uh so I, i'd literally lay around thinking about that stuff and i just couldn't sleep on saturday night so yeah. i'm i'm extremely tired wow yeah. well we are glad that you are with mm. us and we're glad all of you are with us who's ever watching or listening again this is the tech sideline podcast recording on monday september the 2nd we will recap the 35-28 win for boston college over virginia tech 
This week and every week, the TSL podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm, dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people, even though I'm sure it has gone up more than 30,000 since the last time we updated that. They're that good over at the Fisher Law Firm. They you are. know, uh, Jonathan texted me, and I think he said they're shutting down the Roanoke branch, so we need to update that. I'll, I'll look it up. We'll get it taken care of before Wednesday. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031 or email them at info at fisherlegal.com. We're going to break it all down for you today. We'll look at the offense and the defense. We'll talk about some young stars that stood out. That was featured in Chris's article that's available on TechSideline.com. But let's begin the podcast by general overview thoughts. I'll start with Will. Can you give me one word to describe how you're feeling after Saturday's win for Boston College? Yeah, off, as in the TV's off and we forgot to turn it on today and put a cool logo on it. No, um, seriously, to talk about the uh, issue at hand, hang on a second. Excuse me. Um, one word, blech. Can you spell that, that for that me? That one's in the dictionary. Sure, B-L-E-C-H, blech. You know, you can take or leave the exclamation point. I prefer it without the exclamation point. More kind of like blech. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. We got a, we got a lot to talk about. Um, and, and it's hard to know where to start. Uh you know, I wrote an article that in a lot of ways wasn't really well received about a month ago where I said that the next 18 months were really important for Justin Fuente, um, that he needed to have a couple of good seasons on the field and a good recruiting class off the field in the next 18 months. And this is not a good start. Um, you know, I, and, and again, I, I don't, I don't want to get too down on him because it's just one game. And that's one of the things you struggle with. When, you, when you're covering every single game in depth and you're writing articles and doing podcasts, there is a tendency to overreact to any one game. So this debate that occurs within you is, am I reacting to one game or am I reacting to another piece of the puzzle that has fallen into place? And you're always having that internal debate with yourself of, of should I present this as, as some sort of big picture commentary? Is it big picture commentary? Or is it just a quarterback that decided to turn it over four times and that's not going to happen again? So that's kind of what's going on in my, inside my head. I, I thought, you know, Chris's article that he wrote on Sunday yesterday was very calm and balanced. Um, I'm in the midst of working on my article, my Monday Thoughts article, and um, I'm, I'm – I'm going to say some positive things because I think there were some positive things to take away from the game. But, uh, you know, there, there's one or two things that are bugging me right now that are big picture things that are not related to just this game. So that's kind of that's kind of my take on things and, and kind of where I am in the midst of having written half the article last night and getting ready to write the other half after this podcast. I believe the word you used was disappointed. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, and I actually had a feeling you might ask that question, one word. <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, disappointed was absolutely it. Um, and the thing is, I, I, don't, I didn't learn anything in that game that I, think, I didn't think I already knew. Somebody had a good post about it on the board. He's like, here's what we knew about us, and here's what we knew about our matchup with BC. And it was pretty much check, 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 check. But the only thing that was unpredictable about that game is, is four – turnovers from your quarterback I, I, I and five know. turnovers overall one of the things that uh, they, uh, 
that are, excuse me, that I read extensively about in my article, it's actually the first section of it, is I thought BC was, you know, I thought BC was much more physical than tech. And this is an ongoing trend, in my opinion, in Virginia Tech football over the last couple of seasons. Um, I think Tech's physicality on the offensive and defensive lines is, is okay. And in the article, I say, I'm not talking about when you need third and one, lining up in a jumbo formation and shoving it down the other team's throat. I'm talking about the, the trajectory when players hit each other, for example. Who's going backwards? Who's going forward? When you tackle that guy, are you, are you falling down and is he dragging you? Or are you planting him in the turf right where he is? And, and I thought that aspect of the game, I thought, you know, three guys from Boston College really stood out to me. And I'm not, get, I'm not talking about A.J. Dillon, and I'm not talking about who's the other running back they, they have that weighs like 240 pounds. I got four of them. I don't know. Yeah, you know, they, they just cart him out. So they were substituting for Dillon with a guy who's equally as big and physical. I'm not talking about those guys. I'm talking about Travis Levy, number 23, who, if you're not a Tech Sideline subscriber, you should be because I'm going to break down for you what Travis Levy did to Virginia Tech's team all by himself. Five minutes into the second quarter, he had blindsided Tywin Garbutt and knocked him out. He had taken a hit from Tyree Rogers returning a kickoff, and Rogers got up and left the field never to come back. He had fielded a punt and taken a direct hit from Chamari Connor, Chamari Connor, Armani Chapman, shrugged him off and run for 10 yards. And then he had taken a direct hit returning a kickoff from Divine Diablo, and Diablo had gone down in a heap and had to walk off the field. And Diablo is one of the better tacklers. He's 6'3", 223. He's, he's a dude. You know, he's a guy that when you see the team, you're like, wow, that's a big guy. And Travis Levy, 5'11", 205, put all four of those guys at a physical disadvantage and three of them he sent to the sideline. Well, to be fair, I thought Rodgers knocked himself out of the game. But the fact <laughs> of the matter he is, he had a free hit on Levy. Boom, hit him with his shoulder and went down in a heap. It should be the other way around. That's, that's when you watch your football team and one of your guys has a free hit on a kick returner and he blasts him shoulder first, you want that guy to go backwards two or three yards and get up and, and wobble, wobble off the field. You don't want it to be the other way around. I thought Lamott, John Lamott for number 28, their, their middle linebacker, I thought he was very fast and physical. I thought Sebastian, number 10, a cornerback, 6'1", 190, I thought he was very physical. I saw a number of plays where uh, I remember one, I think it was a screenplay, where Trey Turner was trying to block him, and Sebastian just shrugged him off and went in and made the tackle. I thought BC was, was the more physical team in this game, especially at the skill positions. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not getting all wrapped up in offensive and defensive line play because I just, I, th I think the O-line, and I know I'm going on and on and on here, I think the O-line struggled with some things, but I didn't see a lot of them getting physically manhandled. And I also feel that way about the defensive line. They didn't get a lot of penetration, but I didn't see them getting blown off the ball either, despite being young. So sorry to go on a long rant. Chris, let me ask you this, um, because I, I think Will kind of said it best. You know, Do you look at this game individually and five turnovers, you lose by a touchdown, that's a quick fix. Mm -hmm. So how I'll ask you this, knowing that, how concerning is this loss, if uh, at all? I, well, we were not going to know for a while. I mean, sometimes you don't know that things were red flags until they're well in the rearview mirror. 
like I felt that way about the ODU game last year. I just thought that was a bad game. Right. Turns out it was the beginning of, of, of a nasty run. Right. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, you, you just never truly know. Um, and the sad thing is we're not going to know for a while. I mean, and I know what ODU, ODU did to Tech last year, but that's very unlikely to happen again. I mean, Tech, Tech should easily. ODU struggled with Norfolk State the other day. Well, they lost to Liberty 52-10 to 10 before playing us last year. Yeah, so, what, what yeah, you have to ignore that. But, yes, I don't think, I don't think ODU has the, has the talent to beat Tech, and I don't think they'll, they'll, have, a, they'll have a mental edge this year either. Um, and then it's Furman, and then it's a bye week. So you, you're not going to have any answers for and a while. Then it's Duke, and, right? Right, and then yeah, it's Duke. So, so, right, so, so to me, that's probably, besides the Willis turnovers, the most disappointing part of Saturday's game is it really didn't answer any questions, for me at least, for somebody who pays attention to this team all the time and thinks about it all the time. Didn't answer really any questions for me. Uh, I wasn't too surprised by anything I saw with the exception of the, of, of the Willis turnovers. Um, and so we're going to have to wait a while to get those answers. I mean, the end of September, basically. Yeah, and, and one, of the, one of the other things is uh, I think there's a tendency to look at Ryan Willis as a redshirt senior and say, uh, oh, he is what he is, man. You know, he went out there and he turned it over four times. This is the most turnovers he's ever had for Virginia Tech. It was arguably his worst game for Virginia it was, Tech. Yeah. And it definitely was from a turnover standpoint. But, and and, I, and I, I also put this in my article that I'm working on today. I, I always go back to 2004 season. Uh, Virginia Tech started out 2-2, uh, two and two, I think, um, if I remember correctly. And they were playing West Virginia at home. And, and, you know, Tech was controlling the ball game. They had a special teams touchdown. It was a close ball game, but Tech was in control. And Brian Randall, senior quarterback, not a redshirt senior, but a senior quarterback, backpedals and throws this hideous pick six interception for a touchdown that, that makes it a one-score game. And the, I remember the person I was sitting with was not one of my usual crew. It's one of the TSL subscribers, posters, whatever. And he said that I turned to him and said, I guess Randall will never be a good Division One quarterback. I looked it up. In the next seven games, he threw 14 touchdowns and one interception. It just went boom like this. The switch got flipped. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Ryan Willis. It, it, it may or may not. I just think there's a tendency to rush to judgment on Willis and say, well, they're not going to get anything better out of him this year. You know what? You don't, you don't know that yet. You don't know that, but that's two different demeanors. Yes, that's true. That's very true. Um, so, I mean, I, I, think, I think Willis, he's going to have – his moments where you say, oh, man, he's really, really good, and then he'll have his other moments where you're like, man, that guy just doesn't see the field well. Uh, and I, I think if you can't read a basic cover two by this point, I mean, cover two is a cover two no matter who's coaching you and no matter what defense you're playing. So I, so I think one of the things that needs to happen here, and, and I know there's a whole staff of guys that get, get collectively paid millions to, to think about this stuff, and they know a lot more about it than I do. I think, uh, and, and I think you used to see this from Frank Beamer's staff and Frank a lot. After one, two, three, or four games in a season, I think they would have a feel for what they were looking at and they would adjust. And in 2006, for example, that meant, what are we doing? Let's start handing the ball off to Brandon Orr. And the team got better, you know, and, and that was one of the hallmarks of Frank's career. I think at this point the tech coaching staff needs to really think about Ryan Willis, what he does well and doesn't do well. And one of the things that's become a topic of conversation with Ryan is that he's just not good at running the read option. Um, and there were, there were a couple of plays that come to mind in Saturday's game where he just, 
he just doesn't read the defensive end correctly. I think it's it's not just read options. It's defense in general. Yeah. I mean, he made his his his, his what word yeah, what word am I looking for? Uh, he made his money last year off man coverage on the outside. Yeah. Which is the simplest thing in football to read. It's man coverage. But you throw zones at him. You ask him to do RPOs. You ask uh you ask him to do read options. Anything where he has to read a defense carefully, he struggles with. I mean, you saw him locked into his initial read for the entire game, all basically, day, all yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so if your quarterback can only read one thing, there's there's so, not much you can do from an X's and O's standpoint. Yeah. So the point I'm well, the point I'm making. Hope they play man. Is is <laughs> stop banging your head against the wall and and try to figure something out. You know, this this coaching staff is pretty smart, um, and. You know, I, I, you'd have to you'd have to ask them. Uh, you know, what are you thinking? What are you hoping? And and maybe they're they're trying. They're just continuing to try to get Ryan to run more of the offense. And maybe you can't. Maybe they'll have to adjust for that. We're breaking down the Virginia Tech Boston College game here on the Tech Sideline podcast, presented by the Fisher Law Firm. Recording on Monday morning, September the second. I'll, I'll ask this question because there were positives to take away from this game. Yeah, let's we're, talk about that for a bit. We're, we're, like we're talking about a, a touchdown difference with five turnovers. That's the story of the game. Going off your column, Chris, there were young players who really stood out. Is that the main positive that you're taking away from the game? Yeah. I mean, I think Mario Kendricks played well at defensive tackle. Uh, Deshaun Crawford technically not a uh, – Young player as a junior, but it was his first Division One game as a junior college transfer. He played well. Uh, Robinson played well on the slot. Caleb Smith, who just got a scholarship, played well with Hazelton out. Uh, so yeah, there there were a number of good performances by by young players in that game, and and, and you know in many cases, well, the younger players outperformed the upperclassmen. And it's not just Willis as far as the upperclassmen that messed up. The, I mean Grimsley's a junior. He muffed a punt. Um, you know, we uh, there were some other issues. There were there was some uh, issues a fa- a on defense. Failure to fill gaps by by Reggie Floyd a couple of times. Um, he wasn't the only one. Right, exactly. So uh, I, I thought in general that Virginia Tech's upperclassmen didn't didn't play very well. There are many of them. And there are play. many of them, and and that and you and when you have this many young players, you need your seniors and your experienced juniors to play mistake free games. Yeah. Uh, I so I thought we got more out of our younger players than we did our older players, uh, relatively speaking. And so, so yeah, I thought those freshmen that Tech put out there and some sophomores that, that were just getting some game time for the first time, uh, I think I'm ex- their performance was acceptable, acceptable to me. So if you count Trey Turner with 49 receiving yards, let's just say you give him one extra. You look at the receiving core. From this game for Virginia Tech, Grimsley, Robinson, Smith, and Turner all caught at least four balls and all had at least 50 yards receiving. If we're getting Trey Turner had 49, but mm-hmm. rounding him up, Grimsley, Robinson, Smith, and Turner, and James Mitchell caught a touchdown. To me, it felt like well, the receiving core was the bright spot in this game. I think so, and and at times the passing game was a bright spot. Um, I I think. It's remarkable that sitting here and, and, and ranting about what I perceive to be Virginia Tech's lack of physicality and talking about five turnovers, and yet they were within seven points. Um, 
that's that's pretty remarkable to keep it that close. So you're doing some things right. And all yeah. text drives were long too, like 60 plus yards. Oh, one of them was 18 plays. Uh, right, and and BC had a 17 yard drive and an 18 yard, or no, a 28 yard drive, I think. 17 uh, yards and 28, 28 and yards. 17 there, two yeah. two touchdown drives a total 45 yeah, so, yards. So so Tech definitely uh, they took the hard way, so to speak. Uh, and it's hard it's hard to win when you do that. What were Willis's numbers? Ryan Willis on the day finished 29 for 47, 29 of 47. 344 yards. Yep. Which, which is, I believe, a career high at Tech. Four touchdowns, three interceptions, and a fumble loss. His long was 55, the long touchdown. Yeah, uh, you know, there, there were times where the passing game looked good, but these days, in the 1990s and early 2000s, yes, that completion percentage is fine. I don't know yeah, if it's, it's necessarily. 62%, it's, it's you know. It's, it's not kind bad, of, but it's, it's not great. It's kind of normal yeah. the, the, these days. So, uh, I, I, th- I think, you know, for, I don't think the passing game was all that efficient. Obviously, with three interceptions, it, it wasn't. But, you know, you, you'd like to see that completion percentage a little bit higher in, the, in, this, in this era. Uh, now, that said, you know, it was better than last year. Last year, he was below 60%. Yes, I believe on the season he was. I know he hovered around low 60s early on. Mm-hmm. And, it, and you know, I do the roster cards, and I put the updated, the weekly well, stats. He, he was 14 of 33 against UVA. so Yeah, and, and, and I, I put the stats in the roster card each week, and I could see his completion percentage just gradually dropping yeah. throughout the season. One thing I do want to touch on quickly is the, is the running game, because we talked about a guy like Ashawn King to look out for coming into this game, and he got the most touches out of anybody in the backfield, the freshman. <laughs> He's uh, going to get more now. Well, he didn't get any daylight. Either. Yeah. So rushing rushing yards in the game for Virginia Tech, Sean King, 10 carries, 35 yards. Deshaun McLeese, 11 carries, 37 yards. Tech with only 98 rushing yards. You look at the box score from last year against Boston College in the mm-hmm. 2018 game, Virginia Tech rushing the ball finished with 111 yards. So it was about the same. What were the yards per carry? Probably fairly similar. Average was 3.1 okay. mm-hmm. a carry last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this game, Virginia Tech averaged 2.3 yards per carry. That's the worst there. Uh, so couldn't run the ball either game. Now, now what – I'm not as worried so much about that is because, yeah, okay, Tech couldn't run the ball against BC this year. Well, they couldn't run it against them last year, but they were still in a stretch last year where – you know, they rushed for 250 or so yards against UVA. They ran the ball against Georgia Tech. Uh, they ran the ball against plenty of teams last year. They just – the defense was so bad they'd get down by 20 or 30 points and then have to start throwing it. Right. Um, so, the fact that they didn't run the ball successfully on Saturday, I don't know if that's necessarily indicative of what's coming because they couldn't run it against BC last year and they could still run it against other teams fairly decently. Um, so, it might be just a BC thing. Uh, I, I do wish – Stephen Peoples had redshirted in 2015 instead of uh, blowing his redshirt on the kickoff team. So he was still a running back at Virginia Tech. Uh, that's unfortunate. Um, it's unfortunate that Jalen Holston, who was apparently healthy for the first time, it was the first time he's gone through an offseason healthy. And he's a guy who, uh, you know, this injury didn't officially get announced or anything. But earlier in his career, we heard he hyperextended his knee. And that really set back his progression. He finally had a healthy offseason. Boom, gets hurt against Boston College. I didn't think it looked good. No. Uh, I mean, you get, when you've got then They never people. did sh- really show you a good replay of it. It yeah. looked like some action around the leg or the ankle. Right. Uh, so, if you've got two guys helping you off the field and you can't put any weight on it, I'm going to 
go out on a limb and say he's not going to play in either of the next two games, and then there's a bye week and we'll see. I, I don't yeah. know. Uh, so that means – and Deshaun McLeese, I ran article, I ran numbers in an article on Friday that Deshaun McLeese over the last two years, the first game of the season and then the bowl game, he, he has his best games. And then his numbers drop like a rock in the middle, and, and my theory there is that he's healthy for the first game. And then he's healthy after he's got a month off before the bowl game. And then he's so small that it's hard for him to stay healthy throughout the course of the season. Um, so so he, he literally averages like six yards of carry in the first game and the last game. Right. And like three and a half yards of carry. Something like that. Right. Right. Exactly. So uh, the, the numbers are there to support that. Um, now you, you, could, you could clearly see, even though he didn't get a ton of opportunities per se in the open field, Sean King, that guy's got a lot of talent. You were 100% yeah. spot on with your analysis. And, he, I mean, he's – honestly, in my opinion, he's going to lead Virginia Tech in rushing this year. Uh, if he did it in his first game with hardly any experience and now Jalen Holston is hurt, I mean, yeah, I think he's going to be Tech's leading rusher this year. Uh, well, you know, he's got to stay healthy too. He's got to he, stay he's healthy He's still too. got that high school body. Right. Um, he, did, he didn't get a lot of daylight, but I do remember one play where they handed it off to him and he was – Presented with a defensive end right in his face, and he went whoop 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 and cut right, to, you right. know and right up the middle for like eight yards. Like that yards. sound effect there, was... a little little three stooges. Well, and uh, what you got to remember about Kishon <laughs> King is the guy still got braces. Do you see his picture braces on TV? Like, still yeah, got braces. Yeah, that's right. That's I mean, right. They, they showed he's so uh, young. Remember, if you remember uh, on Tech Talk Live last week, Fuente said uh, Kishon missed a couple of days of practice this week with a dental issue. My point being here is this guy's still 18 <laughs> years old, man, just like half the rest of the team apparently. Yeah. Uh, so, But we're going to have to lean on him. I mean, sure. There's just there's no other choice. Uh, before I move on to defense, any other players you'd like to bring up on offense? We talked about the receivers obviously putting together a, a strong game. James Mitchell caught that tight end, uh, that, that touchdown. Man, C- Caleb Smith, wow, two two circus catches. Um, and I thought, and, and Chris, you can you can chime in here. I thought uh, Tavion Robinson was what they said he was. Mm-hmm. He he played the position very well, had a lot of catches, but I don't I don't think I see uh, and and. Hmm. I don't want to sound like I'm criticizing. I'm Dynamic just, athleticism? Yes, I, I don't see elite speed or anything Correct. like that. Well, he, he plays well, the position very well. I, I put that in an article several weeks ago. Here were his camp numbers. Yeah. It was like a four eight forty. He, um, he is a football player. Right, correct. He's, he's, he's not, not a dynamic of, athlete. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine. Peter Warwick was a 4-7 guy. Really? Yeah, cause he, he had great side-to-side agility and was just a good natural football player. Yeah. But he wasn't going to beat that many guys in, in, in a straight-ahead race. He could just play football. And then I think Robinson's kind of the, the same type of player. Yeah, he's, he, he's, he's, he's a – I just think he's a guy that teams need more of, a football player, not a not a guy that's going to peg the, the – uh, the agility, I can't find out what I'm looking for, uh, uh, all the measurements, but he, he can clearly play football. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, you know, Caleb Smith's a guy who redshirted last year and just continued to kind of climb his way up the, the depth chart. I personally don't look at him as a traditional walk-on, a guy that yeah. had seven offers coming out of high school. Correct. He could have gone to Wake Forest. He was, he so, was, I mean, he was on yeah. a full ride to Wake Forest, and then he had family who went to Virginia Tech said it. I'm going to take a chance on myself and go to Tech. And so, so it's always really cool when, you know, you, you have these long off-seasons. You have the spring and you have the, the fall camp. And, and you, you occasionally hear about walk-ons, you know, and everybody goes, oh, maybe that guy will be something. It's always kind of cool when that guy is something. You know, Caleb Smith really showed us something, and, and that's, that's great. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does the rest of the season. Yeah, and walk-ons are success stories are going to be fewer and far between. 
because it's just like anything else. You know, there's so many camps these days that anybody, if you're generally speaking, if you're good, you go to those camps, you're going to get offers. So like a lot of our walk-ons back in the day, you know, John Engelberger would have gone to camp and gotten, gotten an offer, you know, uh, people like that, uh, there would have been more offers thrown around and stuff like that because there's more exposure for these guys. So there are fewer guys slipping through the cracks. So when there is a good walk-on story these days, it's nice. But, yes, like you said, Smith is not a traditional walk-on. I mean, they recruited him here kind of probably kind of expecting to put him on scholarship at some point. I just I don't think they necessarily had the room when they originally signed him. It is really cool to see. I, I've known him and his family for quite some time. And, and he was always a tall guy in high school. And then knowing a guy that you knew before high school and then the weight room and then seeing him now, mm-hmm. it is incredible. Just yeah. college athletes, Division One, you know, the strength and conditioning programs that they go through. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's do this. Let's transition over to the defensive side of the ball. Again, this is the Tech Sideline podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at fisherlegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Breaking down the Boston College-Virginia Tech game, we talked about the defensive line a little bit. I want to start with the linebacking core. Who stood out to you and why? Well, Ashby, uh, a lot of tackles, a lot of tackles for loss. Um, I was impressed with how physical he was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting back to what's your trajectory when you're hitting people. When when he hits somebody, they don't don't keep going forward. He was stopping. Yeah, he's a a really good player. And if you saw that dude with his shirt off, you'd never guess he was a football player. I mean, it's just – it's, it's, it's at Vince Hall School of Linebacking, man. Vince was never a, yeah, never I don't, a, never a specimen. I've always good. said I don't care what my middle linebacker looks like as long as, he can, as, long as he can play football. Yeah. Um, and, and Ray Shard Ashby. Ashby, 13 a, total tackles yep. to lead the team. Yep, really like, good like Three player. and a half TFLs, is that right? Yep. That's correct. Yep. Um, uh, wow. No, I think it was him that kind of got in the wrong gap on that uh, third and eight. Yeah, but still there were guys that could have filled and helped him out. You know, your linebackers sometimes are going to get caught up in traffic, get sucked in by play action and things like that. And there was a uh, – I don't remember which touchdown run it was for BC, but uh, the defensive end was Belmar. Mm-hmm. He crashed down to the inside. Uh, Alan Tisdale was playing the backer. He he got suckered into the middle. And then Reggie got suckered into the middle. And that that that's your lineman, your linebacker, and your defensive back who are supposed to fill that gap, and that's why that was something like a twenty-eight yard touchdown run untouched. And yep. Ashby also had the only sack of the game. Tech only got to bring down Anthony Brown once. It was Dax got close on one. He did, um, and Brown I thought, had to throw it away. But the, but there you go. It's your two linebackers. Well, there, and, there, there's no diamond. There's no pass rusher on this team. But again, we already knew that. I don't, okay, we I didn't learn anything. I did not see Bud trying a lot of stuff, though. I did see a blitz here or there that BC did a good job mm-hmm. picking up. I thought Boston College did a much better job of disguising what they were going to do. The uh, the fumble, uh, when Willis got hit in the backfield and fumbled, I, I went back and watched that play. and BC put six guys on the line, and a couple of them standing up, linebackers mm-hmm. showing blitz. And at the snap of the ball, three of those six dropped back into coverage, and they brought a seventh guy from from back in the back part of the defense. And what you wound up with was five Virginia Tech blockers and only four rushers, but one of them came in free, untouched. And that's just 
BC did a good job confusing, I think, both Willis and the offensive line with some pre-snap looks. And, and I didn't see that so much from Virginia Tech. I think they relied on the defensive line for the pressure, and it didn't happen. Yeah, uh, and I don't think – when the other team's going to run the ball so much, you see a lot of big plays hit against blitzes yeah. because if you break through that initial line, there's nobody there to, to tackle, and you don't want to put your safeties and corners in that situation against A.J. Dillon. So that, that, that might have played a role in it, too. And, and in general, Tech defended the run well. So if that was, the, if that was Bud's uh, game plan, it, it pretty much worked. Absolutely. I mean, if you told me before the game that BC would average 3.3 yards per carry, I would have said, where do I sign? I will take that. Um, he did exactly what I would have done, what anybody should do. Um, force Anthony Brown to beat you in single coverage, which is something he has not shown the, the ability to do his entire career. Uh, he did it against Tech. Now, I think his numbers, he, I think it was 15 of 26 last year and 15 of 26 this year, except this year he threw for about 130 more yards and was able to generate plays downfield. Yeah, I, I made this statement on our last podcast. If, if he takes a step up this year mm -hmm. like he did between his first and second years, that's going to make Boston College a lot better team. Mm -hmm. I don't think, you know, I'm saying some complimentary things of BC, but – if you look at them and look at their schedule, they're probably a seven-win team again. Well, it's the Atlantic is just so much stronger right now. They're going to have to play Syracuse, Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina State looks strong. And I think they have North Notre Carolina. Dame this year. I, you know. I mean, that's that's. Um, and remember, they there's still an athleticism problem there. I mean, they lost to Florida State last year. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> they're very bad. Tough Florida weekend State. for the yeah. Seminoles this weekend, by the way. Ah, so. uh, don't you hate to see it. <laughs> <laughs> said with sarcasm for those on the podcast not seeing Chris's uh, Nothing smile. Nothing Willie Taggart personally. Taggart seems to be a good I'm dude, fine with but Taggart, man, I don't yeah. like that program. Uh, quickly, I want to wrap up quickly because I know you guys have a lot of stuff to write today on this Monday morning. Uh, Divine Diablo, second on the team with tackles, and I believe you were the one saying last year when Tech played BC, and you, we mentioned it last week, they brought Diablo up. because of whip. Did they do uh, that this weekend? No, no. He, it was, he played free safety this week. Uh, it was last year when he played a total – totally different position. So the position you saw Jamari Connor playing yesterday, that was the position uh, that Diablo played last year, and then they played, uh, I guess, Tyree Rogers at, at free safety pro uh, probably. But the, this year they, they played it more straight up, and they didn't need to make that change this year because they had Ladler playing with. But either way, your free safety against a power running team like BC is going to be heavily involved in, in the running game. In fact, everybody not a cornerback is going to be heavily involved in the running game against right. Boston College. That's just the style of play. Well, the secondary had its moments. Reggie Floyd with nine total tackles. Diablo with 10 right there. That's 19 combined with two of your secondary players. And then lastly, I'll leave it kind of open for discussion with the defensive line. I know we talked about a couple of guys that stepped up like Pollard and Crawford. Mario Kendrick's got a lot of love on social media. Is yeah. that a promising group moving forward? Oh, yeah. I mean, a defensive tackle, I think. I feel much better. Um, I, I thought, thought they really looked the part. I thought Kendrick's did a good job. Pollard stuck his nose in there. Crawford got penetration a couple times. The issue, the issue here is that the younger players are better, in my opinion, than the older players. Um, Emmanuel Belbar is your most experienced defensive end, and he made zero tackles and then got called out of position twice on two touchdowns. Failed, failed to keep the and edge then, a couple times. And then yeah. meanwhile, your redshirt freshman defensive ends, uh, Becton and Adams combined for five tackles. Your redshirt sophomore end who has only been playing in for a month. Jalen Griffin, he was a linebacker before that. He has a couple tackles. So, so the younger guy is just more productive than the older guy. And on the inside, you've got 
two guys playing their first Division One college football game. Um, Mario Kendricks, Deshaun Crawford. Each one of those guys, not Pollard, but the other two I just mentioned, each one of those guys has more tackles for loss in one game than Jared Hewitt has in his last 12 games. Yeah. So our younger players are better than our older players. The problem is they're younger. The they're, problem they're is young. they're young. They're and, young. And that gets back to talking about the receiving core. Two of your more productive players were Tavion Robinson and, and Caleb Smith. Listen, it's great to have good young players, but if you find yourself every single season – having young players shine for you, then you're eternally young, and that's not the way to win a lot of football games. Yeah. It makes you feel good about the future, but it doesn't win football games in the present. Mm-hmm. Final numbers for the defense again. Uh, tackles for loss, Ashby, Devon Diablo, Deshaun Crawford, Mario Kendricks. The interception was from Jermaine Waller. Um, yeah, BC got cute. <laughs> did a little option. Yeah. Mm. So that's going to kind of wrap it up for this podcast in terms of breaking down Boston College. Again, our new format here at Tech Sideline will do a preview podcast for the upcoming game on Wednesday, split it into two. I'll, I'll leave you guys with this question before we turn it over to Malcolm. Um, what is one thing you take away from this game that you're most looking forward to seeing against Old Dominion? Ah. You know, I mean, all, honestly, all you can say is the keep watching the young players develop. Keep watching Mario Kendricks. Keep watching Kashawn King, Kayla Smith, Robinson, people like that. Uh, other than that, I mean, I didn't get any surprises in that game. Hey, I would agree with that. I think, you know, I, I feel bad that Grimsley dropped a punt. You know, Grimsley and uh, Tavion Robinson had been working on, on returning punts, and, and I thought that was a solid duo, and then didn't Grimsley let him down. So we'll see what happens there. Again, watching the young players, um, I, I think this team, this team desperately needs to smoke somebody. I mean, ODU's not a good football team. They weren't a good football team last year. They were four and eight. They were good that day against Virginia Tech. Um, I, I think this team just desperately needs to go out there and whip somebody, you know. And so I'm, I'm not going to be looking at specific things. I'm going to be looking at that one thing and and hoping that they can make it happen. And I don't know that that's going to light up the fan base in a particularly good way. Um, well, but You know, the, the reaction of the fan base, some people came unhinged because of this loss. I, I dealt with it all weekend on the message boards. Um, it's, it's funny, as, as time goes on, and you had Frank Beamer's last four years, and you've had a couple of yeah, – last year wasn't a good season. Saturday wasn't a good game. Um, some some people just lose their stuff and and we have we have one or two people just flame out on the message boards in every one of these losses we got we got one guy i'm dealing with right now who's just re-registering over and over and over and not a big deal it's what i do for a living don't get rid of him you know but uh, there are a few people here that have come unhinged it's a passionate fan base. And on that note. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's turn it over to Malcolm. Yes, he's related. Stuart, behind the scenes, producing our podcast today. Malcolm, what's the uh, the comment section like on Facebook Live? Uh, not a lot of people are fans of Willis. You know. uh, so he says not a lot of people are fans of Willis. For those on the podcast, they're asking if Hendon Hooker or Quincy Patterson should get rotated in. Chris? It, it's so hard to say these days because, you know, back in the day, reporters at all schools, especially tech, got to watch a lot of scrimmages. So I knew exactly what our backups were capable of doing and everything like that. I don't know what Hendon Hooker's capable of doing. I've never seen him play football before. 
Uh, uh, so I, I, it's just so hard to say. The assumption is that he can run the read option. Absolutely. Better, and he is uh, a big guy. <coughs> and, and, and so. thing is, I don't think he's. Willis has got a cannon, right? Uh, uh, now, Hendon said. I, I, somebody asked Hendon at a press conference. Said, you know, what, what do you wish you could steal from Willis and Quincy Patterson if you could take one part of their game? And he was like, they got cannons, man. I don't have an arm like that. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think he brings – I don't think he can throw the fade as well. I know he can't throw the fade as well as the other right. two. Um, so you, you would lose something from a passing standpoint with Hendon Hooker. How much you would gain from a running standpoint, maybe from a read option standpoint, that's what you don't know. So here's, so here's what I think about. It's not like Willis was checking down a lot. and, and He was not. So if your quarterback's going to stare down his primary receiver and you become a one-read offense mm-hmm. anyway – why not? You know, surely Hendon Hooker can make one read. Right. Surely he can run the read option I, better. I, See, the, I, 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 I've, I've never – go ahead. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know because I don't see practice and the coaches do. This is, these are just the things you wonder. I've never been an advocate of changing quarterbacks because I generally think if, you know, after 30 practices, your best player is going to perform the best in practice. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, and I, I know that some people wanted Ryan Willis over Josh Jackson. Well, you got him. You know, here you go. Yeah. Uh, and he, I, you know, I think I think Willis can make certain certain throws that uh, Jackson can't make, obviously. And there might be a game or two that he wins that Jackson maybe wouldn't have won. Jackson wouldn't have lost the one on Saturday either because Jackson can read zone, and he wouldn't have thrown those picks. Uh, so it goes, but cuts both ways. I mean, I expect there might be a game or two this year that maybe. Hendon with his feet would win that Willis might not otherwise win, but there will be some other game like like what happens if you throw Hendon in there and they stack up against the run and you get down by a few t- couple touchdowns and you have to pass, you just take him out and bring in Willis. Do you, do you want to you want to do that? And you want to start that? I'm telling you right out. now. Look look around the country and tell me how many good teams are juggling in two quarterbacks. Right. If you do that, it means you're not. It means you're bad. And you probably shouldn't be doing it, in my opinion. I think you're just grasping at straws. Yeah, at I'm, I'm not going to argue with that. Um, so now, I, I, if so, if I'm, if I'm going to take out Willis. I'm taking him out full time. It's 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 hookers. Um, now I'm not saying I would do that, but if they do it, that's what I would do. And I, and I I think probably one of the things that coaches think is what I went. But what you go back to what I said earlier in the podcast. Um, you just you just never know when something's going to start clicking for a quarterback. And Jim Druckenmiller did the same thing. I, I can't remember what year it was where he just – it wasn't like he was a turnover machine ever. But there just comes a point sometimes at which quarterbacks just start playing better. And I think as a coach, even when a guy like Willis has a bad game like that, you hold out hope that something's going to click and he's just going to start being more productive. Because he's talented enough for sure. I mean, yeah. the physical ability is there. Yeah. Malcolm, any other notes before we get ready to sign off? I like so, the way so the, what are the thoughts on the schedule giving the team time to gel? I like the way the bye week's set up. I mean, there are two of them. So you've got a bye week before Duke. Um, so you got you can prepare for Duke and Miami. And then I think you've got Rhode Island. And so you can basically kind of use Rhode Island as a bye week to prepare for UNC. Play the red shirts. Right. And, and then, then, there's a, then there's a bye week later in the season. Before Notre Dame, maybe? 
and and, and that, I think so. And that, so I, I think they're they're spaced out properly in terms of getting fresh at the right times of the season and, and things like that. Um, I, you know, uh, as far as the team gelling, I, you know, they need something good to happen to them. So they should beat Old Dominion and they should beat Furman. Um, I think they should beat Duke, in my opinion. I, um, I think the big thing is the the O line needs to gel. Right. I, I think you know. You know, Vance Vice moves them around a lot yeah. in the spring and in the preseason. And uh, I think once the season starts and guys start regularly playing the same position, that is, in my opinion, their first chance to really learn to trust the guy next to you and work together as a zone-blocking unit. So I think that's that's one of the big things. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, we appreciate the uh, questions on, on Facebook Live. As always, our fans joining us uh, here on this Monday morning. And that's going to kind of do it for our podcast today, wrapping up the – Virginia Tech Boston College game. Part of the reason we're going to go a little bit short today is I know we got a lot of content getting ready to push out this week on TSL. Yeah, I got to finish I... writing my article, and uh, yeah. So as usual, we got a lot to do. What, what's uh, what's coming up before our next podcast on Wednesday on uh, TSL? Before, goodness, I don't know. The usual. I, I mean, I haven't looked at my schedule. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris did come right in, and we sat down and we started recording. Uh, yeah, so I'm I mean, throwing so, him into the fire. Uh, honestly, anything before Wednesday, our our next podcast will be Wednesday morning. So between now and then, it's just going to be tech talk, live notes, and right. press conference stuff. Yeah, yeah, press conference stuff. And and Chris, so one of the things we're doing this year is Chris is actually researching and, for the most part, writing his preview on Tuesday. Um, so when we go into the Wednesday podcast, we'll know what we're talking about. And something I didn't do last week that I'm going to do this week is I made the roster card up after our Wednesday podcast. And Chris does all the research on the team, but I learned some stuff just making up the roster card and seeing like like BC only brought back a couple of defenders or something like that and that made me think Tech was going to have a better day offensively than they did so I get some thoughts coming out of doing the roster card so I'll start doing that on Tuesday so I'll have some more input on uh, on Wednesday's show well we'll discuss on Wednesday any of uh, any significant news out of the press conference that'll happen later today right. on Monday and we will preview Virginia Tech and Old Dominion Hokies open as 28 point home favorites for that game. The home opener in Lane Stadium against the Monarchs. We'll break that down on Wednesday. Gentlemen, as always, no better way to get your Monday started than right here at the TSL Podcast. It's been fun, and uh, we'll do it again in 48 hours. Yes, sir. Sounds we are good. celebrating Labor Day by working, as usual. <laughs> well, thanks so much to everybody who joined us on Facebook Live and for everybody listening or maybe watching on YouTube, which we're glad that uh, we'll have that ready to go after today. However, and wherever you're listening or watching, we're glad you did so. For Malcolm Stewart, our producer behind the scenes, our head honcho and founder, Will Stewart, managing editor Chris Cullen. My name is Evan Hughes. Thanks so long, and thanks so much for listening. We're back on Wednesday, previewing Old Dominion right here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. Mm-hmm.